The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. And joining us today, Don Fox. Andy Lister is away. Investors Group Financial Services, Inc., IG Private Wealth Management. And we have a guest today, and it is Georgia Giannakis, Mortgage Planning Specialist. You brought another friend in with you, Don. You know, we got lots of friends with Investors Group here. Clearly. You know, yes. Uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. We have specialists. We have a mortgage specialist, which Georgia here is with us today. We we have our security specialist. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we have tax planning specialists. We've had Christine Van Cowenberg. We've had a few specialists over the, over the years. And it's it's always great uh, to see how we partner up with each person and how mm-hmm. it, it, it makes our job a lot easier because we can't know everything. Yeah. Um, and, and they're they're experts in that area. Mm-hmm. And our clients, you know, just love it because, you know, they get the hands-on approach. So, you know, and again, it's one-stop shopping, right? Right, yeah. exactly. And really, when you think about it, a financial plan is not just asset management; it's also debt management. Mm-hmm. And you know, your net worth, your net worth really is your assets less your debts, mm-hmm. and that's what your net worth is. So, if we can increase your assets, that's one side of that's one way to increase your net worth. But the other side is to decrease your liabilities, mm-hmm. or find a better way to decrease your liabilities. And there's a lot of strategies in trying to do that. And I know, uh, Georgia, you've been part of uh, our crew for a few years now. How many years has it been? It's about 20 years that I've been with the investors group, wow. working with um, the credit facilities. Yes, and uh, there's lots to it. The, the products change all the time, but what, would it, what exactly would you say your role with us and how do you exactly help with our clients? Well, I help with all the lending options for our clients. I help them planning. Uh, choosing the correct product for them. No, we're not only just selling um, rate mm-hmm. with investors group. We're actually looking at the full financial picture and making sure that the clients are applying for the correct product for their mm-hmm. future needs. Right. And you, you know, I guess you kind of said it right there. If you said the biggest advantage of why don't I just go to my bank or trust company, whatever, what would you say that biggest advantage is? The biggest advantage of working with investors group, it's one-stop shopping. You're, you, you're working with your consultant, your mortgage planning specialist. Um, like I said, I've been with IG for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. So many of Don's clients has worked with me over the years. It's not someone new. It's not constantly changing as you would when you're going into meet with some of the financial institutions, you're always meeting someone new. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, and we've talked about this before on the show, and, you know, it's no secret that uh, you are my financial advisor. Um, and what I've always found fascinating and interesting is that you guys have tentacles everywhere. Right. So if you're looking for a mortgage, if you're thinking about buying a car, if you think of uh, buying a cottage, if you think you're, or you're thinking of refinancing your home, or you're thinking of uh, bringing your, uh, you know, some sort of registered educational plan in for your children, you've got all these little facets, insurance, whatever, where you can speak to. And I've had the pleasure of dealing with Georgia, and that's what makes it so easy is that the left hand knows what the right hand's doing. You couldn't have said it better, actually, Scott. You look at the right hand talking with the left hand, that's what's not happening out there. Yeah. So it's almost like you go into an institution, it's cold. They look at this piece of paper mm-hmm. and they see your assets, they see your debts, and they think, okay, based on a certain ratio, we can lend to you or not lend to you. Yeah. And it's not necessarily, is that the right product? How does this fit in the 
in the greater picture. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, as we've talked about, Scott, we say, okay, here's your situation. Here's the best way to kind of attack your situation at the mm-hmm. most efficient way possible. Mm-hmm. And therefore, at the end of the day, it all, it all the, the real litmus test is what is your net worth going to be? Yeah. How does it affect it 10 years down the road? And we're going to go through a couple of scenarios mm-hmm. of, you know, different debts and, and what kind of difference does it make? But if I had to say one, one question, Jory, what would be kind of the number one question a client would ask you right off the get-go? What's your best rate? Right. <laughs> what's your best five-year rate? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no matter what we say, okay, it's all, okay, what's the rate? Mm. And uh, funny thing is, it's, it's kind of like at the same time, you know, what's the stock market going to do, Don? Yeah. You know, what, what are the returns going to do next year? And I'm sure you're asked all the time, you know, what do you think interest rates are going to do? And it's, we don't have a crystal ball. You know, that being said, I do actually have a crystal ball in my office. I just <laughs> didn't have no idea. That's a snow globe, isn't it? <laughs> okay. I have no idea how that thing works. But it's uh, at the end of the day, it's really trying to interweave all the different products to yeah. that situation. And everybody's different. Yeah, Everybody's totally different. So if you take a look at our products, and you're the expert at our products, you know, why don't we go through some of the products that are, you know, you're dealing with every day? Well, we offer a variety of products. So we do offer our standard mortgages Mm -hmm. through Investors Group, which are, um, we offer high ratio mortgages and also conventional mortgages. We are also partners with the National Bank of Canada through Solutions Banking. um, And they offer our rental mortgages and also our secured line of credits and also high ratio new purchases. So when you're saying high ratio, what what exactly does that mean? High ratio is when you have less than 20% down as Mm. a down payment. So if you have 5% down and you have to work with our insurer providers. And 5% is the lowest, that's for first time buyers. It is. That's the lowest uh, amount you can go on a new purchase. And if if it's not a first time home buyer? You can still, as long as it's a new purchase, you can go as low as 5%. And uh, rate wise... Um, I don't know. I've, I know I've dealt with a lot of clients in the last uh, number of years, and I don't see people saying, "Okay, our rate is higher or lower." Um, generally, seems very competitive. We are very competitive within the industry now. I, you know, if you were to scan the internet, sometimes you see those great teaser rates, mm-hmm. but you're not really looking at the terms and conditions. So, we're comparable to the five major banks, and a little bit less with our, our five-year interest rate right now. And you bring up a valid point too, George. You really have to find something that fits you mm-hmm. because the one with the low rate, wherever that, you know, is, is the flash that everybody's looking at may not be suitable for you in some way. I mean, every situation, depending on where you are in life is different, no? Exactly. Mm. And they come back to bite you at times too. You know, you get that lure of the low rate, but where do they get, you know, when that renews in 23 months, mm. then what? Yeah. And quite frankly, often they do not offer the same kind of low rate at that time. But line of credit is kind of interesting. I know we also deal with lines of credit. Yes, secured and, lines of credit. And those could be secured. We, mm-hmm. also do, we also deal with just unsecured. We do deal with unsecured lines of credits also. We also deal with uh, secured line of credits against non-registered funds. Okay. And that's good sometimes for business owners and clients that are just looking for a better rate and have the non-registered funds to be able to secure. So basically it's collateral for the exactly. for the loan. So mm-hmm. basically a secure line of credit is, is you're using you know, your house as collateral. Mm-hmm. Yes. So therefore you're getting the better rate because I guess the institution has that as backup versus just signing your name, which would be an unsecured line of credit. Yes. 
Well, what's kind of the going rate for an unsecured line of credit? It depends on the institution. Our current going rate is at Prime, which is Prime is currently at three nine five plus two and a half. That's for unsecured. That's for unsecured. Uh, some institutions it can range depending on what promotions are having, but it can range from you know Prime to two and a half up to I've seen up to eight percent. Uh, yeah, I saw eight and a half actually this week. So that would be on a Prime plus four and a half basically. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting how line of credits work too, because you know you go back to two thousand and eight, and everybody was going to give prime. It came to, it's so popular. You use your house's collateral, and prime lending rate was whatever the rate was. And then all of a sudden we go through the Great Recession. Yeah. And it's funny, all the banks. It, it, if you actually look through the written part of it, they actually didn't call it prime lending rate. They call it basis rate or some other name. And it turned out it wasn't prime at all. Hmm. It was they could change that contract to whatever they wanted to. So I know a, a few people I talked to, um, and I won't even tell which institution, it was called base rate. And I thought that meant, and I even, I even actually, does that mean prime? And it said, oh yeah, it's the same thing. Well, it turns out it isn't the same thing when push comes to shove, hmm. and they can change that base rate. So at the end of the day, um, you know, prime ended up being prime plus one yeah. in a hurry. Yeah. Even though you had this contract, it, they just changed the rate. So prime plus one seemed to be the going secured rate when they used your house as collateral for a while. Now it seems like they're getting a lot more competitive now. They are. So right now the secured line of credit rate is prime plus a half. Mm -hmm. And there are times where depending on our promotions, we can go as low as prime plus a quarter if it's in the first position. Right, and first position means? Just a straight line of credit without a fixed portion. Okay. So you can fix a portion of your line of credit to have uh, principal and interest payments, mm-hmm. and the remainder would be revolving. Okay, so fixed means almost like a mortgage. Exactly. So you have, a, say, mm-hmm. a 60-month six, or a five-year portion with yes. a fixed, and revolving would be just interest only? Or as much as you want to pay down. As much as you want to pay down. So total flexible on the revolving. And that's where, so the fixed portion would be more, you, you lock in a rate. Yes. And would that be similar to the mortgage rates? It is a little bit higher because of the flexibility of the all-in-one. Okay. It's not... All-in-one's um, our, our product. Is really. our product, yep. which is our secured line of credits. But um, it, it's not much higher, maybe about 10 basis points. So a going five-year... Uh, fixed rate right now as for a regular standard conventional mortgage right now for our rates would be around 289 okay. and a uh, line of credit would rate would be around 299 as a fixed. Okay, so 10 basis points is 0.1% more. Exactly. So not a not a big deal, but you you get the flexibility of having the revolving side at prime plus maybe a quarter if you qualify and then the locked in part which would be 2.89 or two you know depending what you qualify for. I guess you just simply apply for it just like a mortgage yes. for that side. And then it's up to National Bank in this case because that's who looks after that portion. So, you know, it's absolutely incredible how much difference it makes though. And I, I look back and all the listeners out there should really look at it right now. Go to your line of credit and see what you're paying. Mm-hmm. And you'll look in the top corner and you may only see a rate. And if you see a rate that's uh, 4.95 and you're thinking you got a secure line of credit, 4.95 is prime plus one because mm-hmm. the prime lending rate right now is 3.95. Right. That is a terrible rate right now. But what happens is the institutions will not go back and change them. Mm-hmm. 
They're not going to say, oh, you know what? We got a better deal for you now. I've yet to have any client. So they don't go down. They'll never. Yeah, they'll tell you to go (laughs) up. Absolutely. It's a one-way track. Yeah. And all it takes is for, you know, the listeners out there, go to your institution and say, okay, I noticed this says 4.95. I was listening to... Uh, you know this show, and and it turns out that I could probably get a better rate. What's the best you can offer? Yeah, and you will definitely get four and a half, even just by asking. Just by asking. Yeah, nothing's changed. They still have your house as collateral. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And for me, it's I just hate wasting money because you know it doesn't sound like a lot, but I'll, I'll show after after our break. You know, an extra half percent there, an extra half percent there, it's a lot of money. And the way I look at it, let's say it's the difference is forty dollars mm-hmm. a month. Well, you know, five hundred dollars a year. But if you were to Go to say I don't know, call your dentist every time, every or or in, in any place, and every time you went there, there's a, a parking ticket for forty dollars. Mm-hmm. How ticked would you be if there was a forty dollar parking ticket? Yeah, and uh, you probably fight it and everything else. But it's so funny with the institutions, they can creep up that little rate, and the forty dollars extra interest is just there, and nobody says anything. And I'd rather see that forty dollars in your pocket because it goes a long ways, and you can do a lot of things. I know it sounds like a lot. Um, but it, think of it as a bill, and you should just go out there and fight for that $40 and get the best rate you can. And companies realize that most people aren't going to do that. They uh, just don't have the time. They don't have the, you know, to go through that right. page by page and check it all out. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here along with Georgia Giannakis, mortgage planning specialist. It is uh, planning your financial future. We are here with IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message at 905-529-7165. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson and Don Fox is here. Andy Lister away this week. Georgia Giannakis is with us, mortgage planning specialist. And of course, this all with IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. There you can leave a message. They will return your call or search up old archive shows and don't forget you can ask a question via the listener inquiry button best way to use your line of credit yes and and the nice thing our our line of credit is called the Mm all-in-one and the reason it's called that is because not only can it be debt but it's also a savings account Mm -hmm. so hence the word all in one it's all one thing so let's say you do oh let's say twenty thousand dollars on your line of credit what most people would do is they would have their paycheck go into their bank account and then they would write a check at the end of the month to pay off, or it would just come out of their bank code automatically, the interest amount for their line of credit, mm-hmm. and it would pay that down, or just simply interest only, and you end up with the debt there forever. Nice thing about the all-in-one is, your, say your paycheck, it would go directly into the line of credit. So it knocks down the line of credit as soon as it touches it. Mm-hmm. So let's say you get paid on every two weeks. Every two weeks, the payments would go right against your line of credit, and so now you owe less money. So in, in a, a sense, so you're basically living off your line of credit. You're absolutely living yeah. 100% off yeah, it, yeah. but really efficient because what you're doing is in that two weeks, at least you're not paying interest on that yeah. amount of money. So it's like investing at whatever your line of credit's at, and I call it, let's say, prime plus a half. So it would be at 4.45. Mm-hmm. Where else can you get a savings account paying 4.45 tax-free? Mm-hmm. You can't. And that's what you're doing in an all-one. So great way to do this and I, I love our all-in-one account I, i'm a huge advocate of it 
And I'm sure George knows that because we have so many clients using this as mm -hmm. a product. And But not only that, it has these things called sub-accounts. And maybe you can explain that a little, George, how that works. Well, with the sub-accounts, you're able to split um, certain amounts. So if you're using... $50,000 to gift to your child, you can set up a sub-account for $50,000. You can k set up a second sub-account for personal use. So you can have, um, if you purchase a car or your day-to-day -day expenses, you could use the second sub-account for personal use. And your third sub-account, if you were looking to purchase an investment property and you needed the 20% down, you could set up a second or a third sub-account for the down payment for your rental property. So essentially what you're doing is you're keeping everything separate. So if your children, you know exactly what you've gifted your children, you're using your personal and for the rental with the 20% down, you have that as a separate sub-account for tax purposes also. Okay, so is is it maximum is three sub accounts? No, we can set up set up up to ninety nine sub accounts. Ninety nine, so <laughs> wow. needed. Wow. So if you have ninety nine kids, <laughs> that's as many. We have a name for every one. Okay? You might have a bigger problem. <laughs> yeah, no <Got> kidding. <laughs> and you can designate them by name also. Okay, Your really? sub accounts, you okay. can. Yes. Well, that's good to know. And I I know personally, um, you know, when our kids were going through university and so forth, they got to get their first car, and it's like okay, they're. They don't, they don't have the credit rating. They don't have the equity yet that they can borrow. So why not have the parents help out a bit and borrow for them? I know it's a bit of a risk because, you know, now the kids owe you money. And sometimes they may not think of you as important as the bank <laughs> come knocking on your door. That's a different story altogether. But in a perfect world, if you can help your kids by, say, borrowing at 4.25, the best they're going to be able to get it might be 8.25. Mm -hmm. Well, on your example, George, actually, it's funny enough, you used 50000 I was working that out before the show. And I said, well, if you had $50,000 debt at 8.25%, and this was what maybe one of your kids would be able to get on their own name, the interest on that in a year is 4125 hmm. Versus if you use the sub-account, it would be 2125 There's a $2,000 difference yeah. in interest. Ah, yeah. Like, just lost money. Why not keep it in the family here and help mm. out the kids? And this is just a fantastic um, option for the kids because right now, if you say, okay, I got this $50,000, I got all the student debt, I want to pay it off. Mom, dad, can I use your sub account? Well, at 4.25%, the, the payment would be 926 a month. Well, if they're on their own name, it'd be 1,020 a month. Mm. Well, let's assume they could actually afford $1,020 a month. Well, the way I look at it is why not let them pay the 1020 a month into your sub-account? Yeah. That would actually pay off that loan faster. Yeah. faster. It actually mm. pays it off in six months early. Mm. So now you've now saved six months of payments, which works out to $6,120. It's absolutely incredible because you know, you're talking about you know young kids. So here they are at 30. They've paid this off early. They got this 6120 head start. Mm -hmm. Well, let's say they talk to a good financial planner and says, you know what, what we should do is you, we'll put that into an RSP now. And we'll put that 6120 into an RSP. Their tax bracket, let's just say it's a middle-of-the-road tax bracket, they're going to save $2,450 in tax, which they can take that and put that into an RSP. The next thing you know, they've put in $9,600 if they take the tax refund plus the 6000 and they put that into an RSP, and they don't do another thing. Mm -hmm. They don't add another penny to the RSP. 
By the time they're 65, there's $142,000 yeah. difference simply because they use the parent sub-account. So it's just amazing. And it's these all little things that add up to make it one person so much better off financially than another. Mm -hmm. And we're only talking about a 4% difference in interest and then doing something with that difference. Yeah, It's kind of funny because they, I, you know they can afford the 1,020, so make sure they do it. But now you, you, you take them to a financial planner and you follow a game plan. Yeah. And this is a this is a huge game game changer. Like literally, I, I look at some of our clients over the years, and most of them are are totally against debt. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that's probably why they're um, in great shape. Um, the ones that are okay with debt are often using debt as a as an investment tool, right? For mm -hmm. for rental properties, as George just mentioned, or investment with us, mm -hmm. for example, you can borrow and invest. But when you have these sub accounts, you can have one with one kid's mm -hmm. name, as as George said. The other one could be personal use. Let's say you borrow for the RSP. That's a good option right now. Borrow for the RSP, takes the tax refund, pay that down. But the last one would be a tax deductible part of the sub account. And it keeps it nice and separate because if you, quite frankly, if you put all this in one check and you start writing checks out of this thing, it's going to be tough to keep track which kid owes how much money yeah. because it does keep the total going. Which one, How much interest is tax deductible? Um, like I said, I can't, I can't tell you how great these things are in terms of helping just the paperwork of uh, making sure you get the right tax deductions. Mm. Because you try to say, okay, well, I paid off my, my kid's paying off his portion first. I don't know if the government would actually say, no, no, you're paying the whole thing down mm -hmm. because it's just one account. But with the sub accounts, you know you're paying off that one portion that's for the kid and you're paying off yours. So yeah, I guess you come across uh, some pretty interesting things over the years, Georgia. Um, how has risk of lending to family been? Have you come across any good stories there? I, I haven't had any issues yeah. with uh, parents lending to their children. There's always, um, you know, when it's a quite a large amount, I will always advise the parents to seek legal counsel or independent legal counsel, especially if they're gifting um, to their children that are single for a for their first principal residence. Um, always you need to protect your assets mm. and your investments when you're gifting your children. Yeah, that's a good point. So friends. today's, you know, with this today's uh, real estate markets mm -hmm. is hot, okay? Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's hard for kids to get going. And so when you're looking at somebody gifting funds, uh, I guess it could be for your kids or grandkids for that matter. Do you, I guess seeing legal counsel, how would you put that into the will? I guess that's what they're asking. Uh, no, what we usually do is we just ask the parents to, you know, speak to their lawyer, ad, you know, get advice on the actual amount if um, they should be maybe setting up a promissory note just to protect theirs, it, because if you're dealing with 50000 or sometimes even 100000 as gifted down payments and your children are single, they may in the future be married. So mm. you do want to protect your investment long term. That You don't know what's going to happen down the road. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. And, you know, I hate, you know, there is a divorce rate. I don't know what the rate is, but everybody says about 50%. I think it's half, yeah. Yeah. And so what we have seen is even lending for that house it's if you do what exactly what george is talking about have it a promissory note they know it's a loan so if there is a marriage breakup mm -hmm. then you know at least that's not free money that the yeah. other half that yeah. ex-daughter-in-law or ex-son-in-law now gets half of this no they still owe the fifty thousand mm -hmm. or whatever the down payment was for 
So in fact, I actually had a client and they gifted $50,000 to the new married couple to help mm. them with a the house. Unfortunately, I wasn't involved in this decision and I didn't know <clears> about it until after the fact. The marriage only lasted about six months and then they sold the house and they got- But now both are entitled. They're both entitled half the money. Yeah. And so it, even though it was a gift, um, the parents that lent the money, it, they didn't they didn't actually have to borrow. They didn't have to use the line of credit in this yeah. particular case. But even if they did, it's still a gift. So they have yeah. to show a, a paper trail that this was a debt and do a promissory note and show this. So, because had they had done a promissory note, then they would have said, hey, you owe us the money. Mm -hmm. And then that money would have come back to them. Right. And so, yeah, it's 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 important when you're dealing with debt to make sure that it's all organized, um, especially when you're dealing with family. Uh, you know, I'm not a lawyer, but I've certainly seen my share of you know, interesting situations at a person's death. And sometimes it brings the best in people and sometimes it doesn't. And, you know, we've talked about this with inheritance before. If you take that large sum of money and you put it into a marriage or, uh, you know, uh, an, an agreement such as that, common law or a marriage, uh, if all of a sudden something happens, then that money is equally distributed. So mm -hmm. in the case of, of your analogy, uh, six months of marriage and then the ex-in-laws still have given them 25 grand and there's no recourse there. Nice gift. Yeah. 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 yeah there you go. And, you know, I look at, sometimes line of credits are really good. I, I got to say it. But at the same time, with mortgage rates so low, it seems to be a big difference between the mortgage rate and the line of credit rate mm -hmm. right now. They, used, they didn't used to be this far apart. Like a five-year mortgage is approximately how much right now? Approximately 269. So 2.69% there and a, and a line of credit, if you, get, if you have a pretty good one, is like 4.2 at prime plus a quarter. A quarter. So that's a, that's a good, you know, you're getting to 1.75% 1 1 difference there. So where do you see people using mortgages to maybe pay off a line of credit? Does, does, does that happen a lot? I do see a lot of that. I do see a lot of clients that have used their lines of credits to purchase secondary properties or um, sometimes when they're purchasing their cottages mm. and they've, they're chipping away at the line of credit where they're paying interest only and prepaying a certain amount each month. They find that a structured payment is sometimes better for them mm. over a 25-year amortization or sometimes over a 10-year amortization. And the interest rate is a lot lower than the line of credit. So I have been transferring a lot of the lines of credits over to a straight conventional mortgage over a 10-year period. It just depends on the time frame. The or, client or they would could like fix. to pay out the they, or the fixed. They could fix part of the line of credit, as you said. Yes. Too. And when you're fixing part of the line of credit, you simply just, you know, call you up and say, okay, I want to fix half of my line of credit or? It would be, if it's our product, you would call me first so I can negotiate the rate for you. Mm -hmm. And then our customer service line would take over with sending you the documents and you would sign the, the loan agreement. I see. And the nice thing about mortgage though, like you mentioned, it's, you're paying, you're making a payment, you're definitely paying off principal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right, because I have seen the problem with these line of credits at times is you, the feeling you have money, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, woohoo, I got access to $250,000 mm -hmm. and it's debt. And we do find, we have seen not many, thankfully, but I'm sure you've seen more where all of a sudden it becomes an ATM. Mm. 
And so when you're seeing these people, do you instruct them on, on ways to structure their debt better? I do. I, uh, a lot of clients don't realize when you have a line of credit, it is considered um, secured against your residence. So sometimes clients, it's their mindset where they don't want a mortgage. So the minute I start talking to them about, you know, fixing it into a principal and interest payment as a mortgage, you know, some clients get stop right there because mm. they feel, oh, I don't want a mortgage. <laughs> to your mortgage. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they don't realize that a line of credit, even though, you know, you have the option of interest only or principal and interest, it's just a different product. So anything that's secured against your residence is mm. considered a mortgage. And really at the end of the day, if it was an unsecured product and you stop making your payments, I think the creditors could say, okay, uh, pay up. Yeah. And mm -hmm. at, at very worst, they're going to go against your house anyway. Like, I know it's not their asset backed, but they still want their money. It's funny how people have just a different headspace about mm -hmm. the word mortgage. Right. Mortgage sounds big. Mortgage sounds permanent. It's, oh, I'm trying to pay that down. You know, I mean, that's constantly, you're paying down your mortgage. That's that's the goal. To, so if you're adding to it, it seems to be counterproductive. But as you said, it's all the same thing in the end. It's a bad thing. Mortgage is a bad name. It's, it's always, I want to pay my mortgage off. You've been taught since you're probably soon your first time you ever got to hear anything about money it was like get that mortgage paid off yeah. right bad that's bad well mortgage rate the way i look at it if you graduate college university and you get your first debt you have no equity well you're going to pay eight and a half percent that's mm -hmm. because you have no credit really uh maybe a little credit cards and you've been okay with and you have no assets to back mm -hmm. it up against so you're going to pay a high rate maybe as high as 10 percent well, don't you think now that 20 years later, where you have a good credit rating and now you have assets, I think you should qualify for a better rate. Yeah. And why not take advantage of that lower rate? Why do you want to pay the same as a university student mm. just graduating with, with no good credit rating and you've got all this equity and you're paying the same rate as this graduate? So I look at this as you've earned the right to pay a lower rate. Yeah. Take advantage of more this. stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. then if you can take that rate and make that rate tax deductible, um, even better. And that's just, uh, and we, we can talk about that after the break in terms of, you know, debt swapping and, and making that interest rate tax deductible. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Uh, Don Fox is here and with him, Georgia Chianakis, mortgage planning specialist from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out their website at andyanddon.com. There you can listen to old archive shows and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here from IG Private Wealth Management, and he has brought with him Georgia Giannakis, mortgage planning specialist from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message at 905-529-7165, and check out the website at andyanddon.com. Talking about tax-deductible debt here. Yeah, so... What, how tax-deductible debt works is basically anytime you borrow for investment purposes. But it has to be, investment has to be something that has a potential to earn income. So if you're borrowing to buy raw land, that is not tax-deductible. Right. That's uh, speculating, hoping the land goes up. It's not going to earn any rent. Mm -hmm. um, I guess you probably could rent it out as farming and you may question, but it, you normally cannot um, 
claim that. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to buy a rental property, all of a sudden now you can deduct the interest. So if you're paying, say, on a line of credit, four and a quarter percent, and now you're able to have a tax deductible, and you're in a high tax bracket, right. now you're paying a just over 2% interest. Hmm. after tax. So could you use this if you bought, like, say, a cottage and decided to rent this out? Could the same thing apply? Yeah, if you're renting out a cottage. Now, in a cottage situation, you have to look how much was personal use, Mm -hmm. how much was not personal use. And that goes with any, uh, or a condo or anything like that you're renting. So if you say, okay, I'm renting out half the time, so you actually take a look at how many days you use it for personal time and right. how many days you use it for rental time. Right. And, and now you look at the overall interest cost and that is how much of the interest you can deduct. Right. And same with the property taxes, electrical mm-hmm. bills, everything else goes with that. So in a perfect world, the best kind of debt is tax deductible debt. Yeah. So if there's ways we can make a tax deductible, great. So another example, let's say you had $100,000 of investments mm-hmm. and you, you got $100,000 in debt. Well, one thing is, is okay, why do you have the debt? You've, you created debt over the years of maybe renovations at the house, whatever, and it's not tax deductible. Why not take your investments, pay off the debt, reborrow the money, the 100,000, buy back the investments? Mm-hmm. Well, now you still got the exact same situation. You still owe 100 grand, you still, owe the, still have the investments, and you still have the debt. So therefore, it's it, and this is for non-registered investments only. So this mm-hmm. would be things such as uh, not including tax free savings accounts or RSPs. Right. Okay. This would only for non-registered or again a rental property. Mm-hmm. Same idea, but for non-registered investments, they're easy because you can actually sell them, have the money in a few days, pay off the debt, and then you have to buy you can, you can't buy back the exact same investments in thirty days. Yeah. But you can buy similar ones mm-hmm. right away, and it is tax deductible. So. Anytime you can save a little bit of interest, so like if it's a $100,000 debt, 2% savings is $2,000 in your pocket. Mm -hmm. Well, again, going back to it, uh, I'd rather see the $185 a month in your pocket. Yeah. Okay, and that's really what it works out to. So in terms of debt, there's lots of different kinds of debt. The worst kind of debt we've talked about before, and you're probably going to probably say it before me here, Scott, but it's payday loans. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get them started. Yeah, those are, oh gosh. You know, as soon as you see that guy walking on the street with a sandwich board, the low rates at the intersection. Three bucks a hun. There you go. Or whatever the advertisement is, absolutely drives me nuts. These actually could compound to uh, 500%. I don't even know how they're legal. I can, I could rant on this and we've had whole shows about that, but whatever you do, get rid of payday loans first. The next would be credit card debt. 26% is mm-hmm. quite common, 28%. Uh, unsecured debt, which George and I have been talking about, you, you can pay anywhere from six and a half to 9% mm-hmm. when it's unsecured. Secured debt, that would be like, again, as we said, having a mortgage or lien on your property. If you don't like the word mortgage, call it lien or mm-hmm. uses collateral. It's simply the same thing, right. but why would you not want to pay four and a quarter percent versus 9% simply by signing your name attached to something. And then a fixed mortgage, you can get 2.69, 2.79, 2.89, something like that. And again, saving money. So we've gone from everywhere from payday loans at 500 all the way to 2.8% mm-hmm. for a fixed mortgage. Well, if you look at it, let's say you have a $10,000 debt. <clears throat> and we'll forget about the payday loans because they're just obscene. But look at the credit cards. Well, if you've got a $10,000 credit card balance, that's $217 of interest. Mm-hmm. Well, first thing we say is let's go and we'll go to George and say, okay, can this person get an unsecured debt? Because let's say they don't own a house, right. but they're clients of investors. 
So they would simply go through a credit application, Georgia? Yes, they would just go through a credit application. We would need their proof of income and if they have any RSP assets, any non-registered assets, and then we would look at their qualifications or credit scores. Obviously, you have to have a good credit score. Right. And we would look at... I guess consoli- tax returns would come up. You need a yep. one-year or two-year? Re- okay. two-year tax returns. Yep. And we would pay out the credit card debt with either a personal loan structured over five years or through an unsecured line of credit, okay, depending so, what the client qualifies for. And that's actually a really good idea too. So you could get, a, say, a five-year loan to pay off and what rate would that be at? It's usually around eight and a half. Okay, so not too different than an unsecured line of credit. Exactly. Very similar But there. this way it's structured, so yeah. you're paying it down. Guaranteed it gets paid down. So an unsecured, you, on that same $10,000, you're paying $75 in interest. Yeah. Well, if you did get a line of credit that is secured, and that security can be your house, as we talked about, which we would get an appraisal, or you can use non-registered investments they can so if you already have investments with us or another institution, they can use those as security also. Is it two to one? So you would need? Usually two to one. Okay, so basically to get a $10,000 debt, you would need $20,000 of investments to secure it against. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, th- now you're paying four and a quarter percent. And so instead of $75 in interest for the year on, on 10,000, now it's only $35. And then a mortgage would only be $23. Mm-hmm. So you, you come out and you say, okay, you get a credit card, it's $217. <coughs> a year in interest on 10,000 debt versus a secured debt at $35 a year. This is what I'm saying. This is where I see so many people, they have these debts, but they don't think about it. And it's just that, to me, it's that parking ticket. Mm. There's an extra $20 a month you're basically paying that you could avoid paying simply by having a mortgage specialist and a financial planner working together for you. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now, leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And with us is Georgia Giannakis, Mortgage Planning Specialist with IG Private Wealth Management. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox is here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out their website at andyanddon.com. Joining us is Georgia Giannakis, Mortgage Planning Specialist with IG Private Wealth Management. And we're talking about the mortgage stress test with this break. Yes. And we're not talking about just, you know, normal stress. We're talking mortgage stress. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's I guess twice the, as bad. Because <laughs> it's definitely worse. It's nope. that mortgage world again. Or word again. <laughs> See? See, mortgage already. Right. You feel stressed just saying That's it. right. Yeah. Then you have stress to it. Up. And now yeah. it's a test. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. I have to study for this. Oh, man. This is terrible. And so I guess it was uh, January of 2018. Our government came out with this mortgage stress yeah. test. And I guess yeah. the idea was that they're worried interest rates would rise. Mm -hmm. And people are just coming in with mortgages and they are just barely able to make the payments. And God forbid, interest rates actually went up a bit. And and after a year- Is that gonna happen? Oh, who knows? We've been talking about that for (laughs) 10 years. Yeah, exactly. Well, they did actually go up a little bit last year and then they came back down. Well, so they came up with this mortgage stress test and maybe you can explain exactly what this was all about because it's a little complicated. Well, when you're applying for 
a mortgage, whether it's high, especially if it's high ratio and also conventional, which means you have 20% down. Mm-hmm. Even though the interest rate is, we'll use 289, you have to qualify on carrying your mortgage as if the interest rate was at 5.19%, which is the posted rate. Okay, why is that? Why, where does this 5.19 come from? It, it seems to be such a difference between what they post mm-hmm. and what they're lending. Like yeah. what's the point of having a 5.19 if nobody actually gets charged 5.19? Nobody really gets charged the 5.19. The banks are just, that's their posted rate. And then we offer the discounted rates. You feel like you're getting a deal. You get a deal this way. Exactly. (laughs) So in the past, um, we were able to use a 2.89% interest rate to qualify all clients. Right. Then the changes came through where all banks were mandated to service the clients at the posted rate at whatever it is at that time. It's come down a little bit now at the 5.19. So basically they can't afford um, as much. Exactly. They can't borrow as much because it's based on a 5% rate versus a 3% rate. Yes. Just to round it a little bit here. That's kind of weird when you think about it because why wouldn't the banks just click into that and then just lower the posted rate? I mean, at the end of the day. Yeah. That's what they're going to give you a mortgage for, right? They're, they're pretty good at playing, you know, games anyway with yeah. mortgages. And, Marketing. Because nobody, like I said, nobody ever paid the posted rate. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to that in a second because I, I think maybe it has to do with buying out the mortgage. But now they, I just read, and it's perfect timing that you're here, Georgia, because I just read, yes, this week rather, that they're changing this stress test. They are. So as of April 6, 2020, we'll be able to use our benchmark rate plus two. So right now we're just gonna use, for example, 2.89 plus two. So we can service a deal now at the 4.89. Okay. Opposed to the higher rate, which is gonna help clients be able to afford a little bit more. Yeah, and I, I think I heard like if it was a five, if you're making a hundred thousand dollars, maybe you can afford an extra thirty or forty thousand dollar more mortgage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and possibly this might heat up the mortgage, <laughs> the market even more because yeah. more people can afford wow. more money. But at least until now, till April the sixth, um, if there is a bump up in more in in house prices because of more people can afford more house, maybe between if you're looking at buying a house, maybe between now and April sixth might be the time to buy it. Mm. Because all of a sudden, April 6th, people are going to be able to afford more money. A little bit more. Yes. Now, on the other side, what about paying off this mortgage? You finally want to pay off. You got your money and say you got an inheritance, won a lottery. Mm -hmm. um, You great financial planning. You got enough money and you're going to pay off this mortgage. But there's still, you know, say two years left on your mortgage. I've never totally understood. How do they work out the charge on this mortgage? Well... The way investors group, through our investors group platform, um, when clients call in to request their penalty, Mm -hmm. we'll take into consideration as if they prepaid the mortgage by 15%. Okay, that's their normal annual amount they can pay down. That's their normal annual Mm -hmm. amount. So the client doesn't have- That's free. There's no cost to that There's no cost to that. The client doesn't have to actually- prepaid to do that we just consider that when we're for all our clients through the investors group platform so if that was the whole amount owing then there's no charge there's no charge but let's so and if on a five hundred thousand original mortgage and it was 15 percent down that's forty five thousand dollars that they could annually apply to the mortgage without a penalty and if let's say they owed forty five thousand at the end and say i just want to pay this off now no problem not a problem okay but if it was a hundred thousand owing 
So then they would say, okay, you got forty fifty five thousand dollars left. And we would calculate the penalty on the fifty five thousand left. Okay. And it's either the three months interest or the interest rate differential. Okay. And it's kinda interesting. I know George and I were talking off air, but Every bank's different with this. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Every institution, you really need to read your contract. Yeah. Um, some will use the posted rate to figure out what their interest costs are. Really? Yes. Even though that's not the rate you're paying. Right. So you have to pay the posted rate to get out of it. Right. Wow. Others will use your current contract rate. Yeah. Some will have a set fee regardless. Yeah. <clears throat> and the set fee can be enormous. So the whole point is, and this is where you got to look at, you know, some of those, say, teaser rates. Mm-hmm. They might have a lot of qualifications if you're trying to get out of these contracts. Yeah. And you've signed on these contracts, but boy, you need a lawyer and a very good lawyer just to read these contracts. Yeah. And who the heck, you just want to get out of this yeah. room, who who can read <laughs> three pages of fine print? Just show me where to sign sign, me where to sign. sign here, sign here, sign here, because and I owe this much money. Yeah. All the little payment privileges and all that. And, and IG is fantastic. It's 15% down every year. And that's not per calendar year, that's the anniversary of your mortgage. So if you bought your house on say August 1st, you could have it before August 1st, you can put 15% down. August 2nd, you can put another 15% down. Plus you can double pay any month and you can also increase your payments too. By how much? 15% also. And you can take advantage of all three options at at a time. Yeah. So even if it's a five-year mortgage, there's so much flexibility with this lower rate, you may want to go that route anyway. But anyway, at the end of the day, financial planning is trying to find the right debt that fits you and your overall plan. And that's what you have a financial planner for. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox has been here from IG Private Wealth Management. And our special guest today, Georgia Giannakis, mortgage planning specialist with IG Private Wealth Management. You can call, leave a message. They'll get back to you at 905-529-7165. Thank you to you both. Have a great week. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Scott. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.